0: Him. The Ravens just hired a new defensive coordinator. His name is Don Wink Martindale. Don Wink. He's replacing Dean Pease. Those are funny names. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crow. That's all I've got. I don't have any jokes. I just think those names are funny. ha. <laughs> nice. Wink. <laughs> Raven stink. Also, this just in: breaking news. Brian is very astute as he sits here in the studio and does not listen to the radio show as it's going on. Uh, he thinks that. John Gruden is bald, and I'm inclined to believe him. I just tweeted it out, at underscore Adam Crowley. I need you to weigh in. Working theory, John Gruden is bald. Please discuss.
1: Seriously, Crowley, I think he is. Like, okay, that press conference was just, first of all, that was the worst hair press conference I've ever seen as far as hair goes. Like, what the hell was going on on that stage? You got Davis over there with, like, these weird-ass bangs and that weird face face. And then, like, okay, that might distract you from Gruden hair. But I'm a journalist. I dig deeper than just the <laughs> surface. I'm not just going to stop at the weird guy on the left. I move over one over. And I notice a Gruden, well, you know, I've seen him on TV, but his hair's looking kind of strange. So I'm like, you know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that's a hairpiece. So then I go a little deeper. I start looking for pictures. I'm looking for things that may show that this could possibly be a hair. So Fox Sports NFL, which you retweeted, says John Gruden is back in black. And there's a picture of him at the podium with his hands in the ready position, already coaching at the podium. But I look deeper again because I'm a journalist. So as I dig, I look at this little part in his hair and something doesn't look quite right. There's like a weird, odd, like double part going on. And I'm like, you know what? You take that little weird part out of the way and you start to get a cul-de-sac there. Then, kind of the left bang, I start to follow that to the middle of the head. And it's clearly combed forward. So, in conclusion, my journalistic uh, exploration here, my, 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 uh, uh, I lost my train of thought here, but my conclusion to all of this is that, he is doing a weird Trump-style comb-over where he's coming from the middle, pulling it down to his left, and then he's got a little bit of hair to create the illusion that there's hair on the right, but if you put that stuff the way it's supposed to be, you're looking at a huge cul de sack on John Gruden, and I'm not even kidding, like a Tony Kornheiser type call de sac Dude's bought. I think he's pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. I mean, granted, it won't ever look bad because Davis next to him is just a freak, I think Davis looks a lot like the older version of John Gruden. That is so true. It did look like a Marty McFly situation here. like It was like old Gruden versus young Gruden. But, I mean, the thing there is like old Gruden should have been like, hey, you know, past Gruden, how about you tell me what you did to get so screwed up looking
0: and I can avoid that stuff because I don't want to grow up and look like this weird doll. Young Davis is what I'll call him because he's younger than his father, who I think is a zombie and was always a zombie even when he was alive. He might be the most unfortunate-looking person in sports. Oh, he's ugly. He is an ugly m effort. U-G-L-Y. He ain't got no alibi. He ugly. Uh-uh. He ugly. Uh-uh. At underscore Adam Crowley on Twitter. Is John Gruden bald? We'll get back to you with the poll results later on in the show. Very serious stuff going on. By the way, I'm filled up with takes because the last couple of weeks have been shorter for me. I did three days a couple of weeks ago because my mom had the gallbladder out. Last week, four shows. So, seven in two weeks. I'm missing three. I've got three shows where the takes all built up under my skin. I want to get to the Penguins, and we will in a moment or two. We've got my man Brian Metzer coming up at 5.20. He, of course, from the Penguins Radio Network. John Gruden is not a great NFL coach. He's just a guy. He's got a 545 winning percentage. He was on TV for 10 years, and all of a sudden we think he's good at the other job. Just because you're good at one job doesn't make you good at the other job. That doesn't mean he was bad. He won a Super Bowl, albeit with Dungy's players. He's not great. He's got an okay record. He's fine. But he's not a guy worth 10 years and $10 million. And what you read is, well, Oakland is moving to Las Vegas. And you need to have somebody that's going to make a splash. Do you? Don't you just need to win? Don't you just need to hire the best guy? John Gruden's really good at breaking down young quarterbacks. John Gruden's a good quarterback dude. But is he better than everyone out there on the market? Would you rather have him than Nagy, the guy who's taking over the Chicago Bears? Uh, I'm not sure. His record, 38-26 and 26 in four seasons with the Raiders. That's good. They then traded him to the Bucs. Before the 2002 season, he stomped them. They won 48-21. Championship, yay, Gruden! Again, he won with the players of Tony Dudgy. Gruden's overall coaching record is 95-81. and He's won 14 more games than he's lost. That's it. 81 losses is a bunch. He went 9-7 and in each of his last two seasons with Tampa. They pay him $10 million a season for 10 years. What the hell would Belichick get if he walked out on the open market? What the hell's that guy getting paid? If John Gruden's getting paid $10 mil a season for 10 years, that's $100 million for you mathematicians out there. Do you just give Belichick part of the franchise? You probably do. If you're the Gigantes, if you're the Giants, and Bill Belichick walks away, which has been a rumor, I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say it does. 15 a year? 20? 30? If Gruden's getting 10, that guy deserves at least double. Because that guy's got a winning percentage far above 545. Come on. John Gruden. Working conspiracy theory, since we're all about the conspiracy theory today. Why not here on the Crowley Show? If Bill Belichick were to leave, I think he'd go to the Giants. And I think Nick Saban would replace him in New England. Former defensive coordinator of Bill Belichick back in Cleveland. The great college football coach wants to take a ride in the NFL and prove everyone that he can do it. Where's a better place to do that than with the great Tom Brady? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. 412 922 2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. It's time for sitting the kids again. Last year, Crosby, Connor Sherry. Jake we were the best line in hockey for a little while. I see the Penguins now tweet this out. Chapter 1, Sid and the American kids. Chapter 2, Sid and the European kids. There are jokes there I'm going to leave on the table. Last year, that's when the Penguins were at their best, when that line was together. That line was dominant, and they darted in and out. They worked on the give-and-go the players that he was playing with were smart. This year, I think Crosby has not had a lot of success, at least in comparison to old Crosby, because Crosby's been playing with a whole bunch of different line mates. Now it seems to have settled down. Dominic Simone and Daniel Sprong are going to play with Sidney Crosby, and Crosby was the third star in the National Hockey League over the last week of the season prior to their buy. Why? Stability? And hey, Crosby gets reinvigorated by these dudes. Crosby takes energy from them as much as they take energy from Crosby. And if you're as physically gifted as Daniel Sprong, and Sprung has a great shot, I would say already, other than Kessel, sprong has got the best shot on the team. Seen him a handful of times. That guy's got a shot. And with Sidney Crosby feeding him to him, hello. What I love about Sprong is he's played five games and shot the puck 18 times. Daniel Sprong ain't afraid, man. He's going to play his game. And a lot of guys, when they get with Sidney Crosby, they're looking at him too much. And who wouldn't? He's got a beautiful, behind, really good hockey player. In that order, I would say. So I think a lot of times players defer to Crosby. Sprong is not. Simone, he's kind of there for the ride. But he started to get a better chemistry going with Daniel Sprong of late. And Sidney Crosby is going to make any player better. If the Penguins want to have the depth they've had the last couple of seasons, the best way to do that is to leave the young guns up on the line with Crosby. Crosby can be the defensive conscience. Crosby can set these guys up. And then there's a trickle down effect. The second line becomes better. You can separate Malkin and Crosby, or Malkin, Crosby, and Phil Kessel. Yeah, that's the way to go right there. The Penguins have tried everyone and their mother with Crosby this year. It's time for Sid to get some stable linemates. Those are the guys I want to see with him. Ride and die, baby. With Simone and with Sprung. Sometimes when I watch Sprung, I get Sprung. Like Spring. Tim Benz wrote a good column in the Trib. He said he's tired of people talking about how the Penguins are tired. And I'll agree with that. I think it lacks legitimate analysis. It's a blanket statement. He says it's intellectually dishonest. He's right. I'm sure there is fatigue with the Penguins. But wouldn't there have been fatigue after the back-to-back cup appearances in 08 and 09? Crosby admitted in the playoffs the Penguins were tired. But they had 101 points throughout the regular season. They were one of the best teams in hockey that next year. Fatigue didn't seem to bother them then. In 1993, the Penguins had won back-to-back Stanley Cups. In 93, they had a President's Trophy-winning team and might have been the best team out of those three. Other teams in the league have won more than two cups in a row. These Penguins have problems. I'm sure that they're tired a little bit, but they're not all fatigue-related. Crosby and Malkin haven't upheld their typical outstanding play. Is it because they're tired? No, it's because they haven't had consistent line mates, And they've been a little unlucky. Schultz has been hurt. Cole's been in and out of the lineup. Latang has been terrible coming off his injury. The goaltending hasn't lived up to the hype. Those are the issues. The Penguins aren't tired. They're flawed. That's reality. 412 2874 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Really fascinated by this John Gruden hairpiece, though. Evil Scott Lou says, you'd think he'd be able to afford a better piece. Well, he will now. Although Mark Davis is a rich son of a gun. And yeah. that guy has never afforded a better piece. Yeah, that, that blows that argument hey, right out. come on. Blake tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, the Jags already beat Yins once, so how are they going to be underdog still? And don't say, well, the Steelers weren't as good as him. That's a cop-at. Here's the deal, Blake. The Jags are underdogs because the Steelers are favored by seven. That makes him an underdog. Last night, Georgia was the underdog. Bama's was favored by five. That makes you an underdog. The Titans, I'm going to teach you a little thing about betting here and a little thing about Vegas. The Titans are 14-point dogs to the Patriots. Just to repeat, the Jags are 7-point dogs to the Steelers. That's why they're underdogs, and they're going to use that as their rallying cry. We beat them by 21, and now we're underdogs? How is that possible? And that's one of the reasons why I think Steelers... Pr ER has said, eh, Ben, maybe don't go out there and say anything, because they're already rallying around this as is. But the reality is, Blake, that the Steelers weren't as good back then. He says that's a cop-out. Uh, okay, maybe, but the Steelers didn't have an identity. They were 3-2 and two at the time. You know what the Steelers did the rest of the way? They went 10-1. and one. So it shows you that they did find themselves over the course of the season. The Steelers were 4-5 and five to start last year. They started giving the ball to Le'Veon Bell, and they rattled off eight straight wins. You can get better as the season goes along. The Steelers have. I would argue that Jacksonville hasn't. Jacksonville was 3-3 three and three in their last six in the regular season. It moves to 4-3 and three whenever you see what happened against the Bills last week. That doesn't exactly inspire any confidence. As They beat that team by seven. By the way, Blake, just a little lesson here, pal. The Bills were seven-point dogs going to Jacksonville. So Jacksonville's not playing great. The Steelers are playing as well as any football team in the league. That's why I'm picking the Steelers to drop them on Sunday. I already painted the picture yesterday. I could do it again. Blake Bortles walks out. It's frigid, 19 degrees, snow blowing all over Heinz Field. Already down seven. Ball in the 25. He turns behind him. Leonard Fournette's there. Why not trust him? Gives him the ball. Bam, two-yard gain. Next play. Bam, one-yard loss. All of a sudden, it's third and nine. Blake Bortles down seven on the road. 26-yard line in Pittsburgh. The snow flurries going. 19 degrees. Throws interception. I don't believe in Jacksonville at all. But we talk puck with Brian Metzer next. Does he like sitting the kids? And what's the biggest key to the second half for the Penguins? You're listening to The Crowley Show. Ian Pittsburgh. Picking up some steam here with the is John Gruden bald conspiracy. Brian just tweeted a picture out. You can follow him. At FBomber73. lot of space up there. I can see Skull. Hashtag bald Gruden. On Twitter, I put up the poll. Is John Gruden bald? 49% of the people are saying yes. 51% are saying no. But the people who are saying yes now either get the show and I love you. Or they've become converts. Because 100% of the people going into today thought that John Gruden had natural hair. He's bald. He's bald.
1: We broke it. Here, you heard it first on the Crowley Show. Breaking news.
0: That's what we do, people. We do. Brian Metzer breaks some news. Did back in his day. He's not bald. Brian, how are you?
2: Well, I'm better now. I heard a little uh, Tommy the Cat by Primus there. That did me good. And then, who doesn't enjoy John Gruden bald talk as well? So now I get to be a part of it with you. I'm doing well. How about you, my friend?
0: I'm good, man. It's been too long.
2: It, it really has. I mean, I am tr- I was just trying to think of it, and I think we... Uh, You were going to dye your hair, if I'm not mistaken, the last time we talked.
0: So since we've talked, Brian, uh, my hair got dyed and my chest got waxed. So (laughs) things are going great. And hopefully we talk again before, but uh, on January 29th, I will be getting my belly button pierced unless I have a six-pack.
2: My God, man, what is going on with you? You've
0: run amok. I will do anything for the show. Brian Metzer (laughs) joins us here on The Crowley Show. Uh, Metzer, uh, my friend Tim Benz, wrote a column saying that he's tired of people saying that the Penguins are tired, and I'm inclined to go with him on that. Maybe they are tired, and for good reason. Certainly some of the key players are a little bit fatigued, I would imagine, but I don't think the Penguins are tired as much as they are flawed.
2: Uh, I would agree with that, and when I say, when you use the word flawed, it's a a term that I used early this season as well to describe them, because it just felt like the roster was a bit flawed in general. When you look at it, the depth that they lost last year in the form of Trevor Daly moving on, Chris Kunitz moving on, Matt Cullen, uh, Nick benino all of those players leave, and they were all pretty versatile. They could play a lot of different roles for you in that lineup, and the players that have replaced them, don't have the upward mobility in the lineup that some of those guys did. So when somebody goes down with an injury, be it one of the big guys, if Kenny Malkin's missed four games this year, you didn't have a center that you could just elevate and put into Geno's role on the second line. If Sid were to go down, you can't easily replace him, and so on and so forth. So for me, I just feel like when you look at this team right now, the depth was such a luxury for them that they had for two years, and they parlayed it into two Stanley Cups. And not a lot of teams in the National Hockey League can make that happen in a cap-based era. So... Uh, kudos to them for having done it, but right now it's uh, on Jim Rutherford to find a way to maybe sort of retool things moving down the stretch, so uh, I think that's a, a pretty accurate evaluation. It's a little bit flawed right now.
0: I like the new top line, if it's going to be Crosby and Simone and Sprung. I think Sprung's definitely here to say. What say you about Simone, and do you think that this is the line the Penguins should run with for a little while here?
2: I would certainly keep him together at this point, uh, at least in the short order. Daniel Sprong's done nothing to prove that he can't handle playing at the National Hockey League. Everybody tried to sell the bill of goods that said that he wasn't a good defensive player. Well, I watched him really break his tail a couple of times in the, past, in the last game to get back and make a couple of defensive plays. He's not been a liability. He had one giveaway, by my recollection, all the way back in the Detroit game on New Year's Eve, and that wasn't even really that egregious. It was in the offensive zone he made a play by the blue line to try and just throw the puck back deep and it was picked off by Dylan Larkin and he came out with it and they were a little bit liberal I felt in giving a giveaway in that situation I probably wouldn't have awarded it that way it was more of a picked off pass which yes I get it that's what a giveaway is but uh generally speaking very impressed with him love what he's doing with Sidney Crosby and Sidney Crosby seems to really like playing with him so Maybe the whole thing was just to have him go out and prove himself to Mike Sullivan, which I feel like he's done at least now in a, in a short sample size. And hopefully he can, he can prove that he belongs to stay on that top line. As for Simone, I don't know that that's the long-term answer on the, uh, on the left side with those two players. But for right now, he almost has a little bit of a, a, a duper Sid and Cooney feel to, him yeah. to look at it because nobody really thought Pascal Dupuis would be a great offensive player when he played with Sidney Crosby and, he turned into being able to do that. Now, Simone's not lighting it up offensively, but he's made smart plays. He's gotten himself into scoring position, and he's picked up a couple assists here. I'd love to see him get a goal, though, uh, before this is all said and done. But I've been really impressed, and I hope that they do keep that line intact.
0: I think that they've got that tic-tac-toe thing that Sidney Crosby loves so much. Uh, they're good at finding space. They're Both quick. And what I love about Sprong in particular, and you're right about the defensive game. I mean, he he back-checked the other day, and I I was aghast. I was told he's not allowed to do that. But (laughs) I love that he shoots the puck and doesn't defer to Sidney Crosby. So many young guys come up with Crosby, and it's like, come on, play your game.
2: That's exactly right. I mean, the kid's played five games now this season in the National Hockey League, and he's already got 18 shots on goal. So for me, I'll take that any day of the week. Just keep shooting it, kid, because we know – uh, in this organization there 's probably nobody other than he and Phil Kessel that have the shot that, that is capable of catching any goaltender off guard and I feel like Daniel Sprong could have had a couple more goals for himself here too. He had a couple games where he just missed the net shot high over the crossbar, and that may have just been you know some nerves getting that first chance to play with some big name players now. He's getting uh, very comfortable. He doesn't look overwhelmed, and and I love the way that he does seem to read and react off Sidney Crosby. This isn't a Jan Herdina situation, not to go back in time. That's a name drop, my man. Well, hey, you remember when he would play with Yarmir Yager? He would try and force the puck to him. Guys would play with Lemieux over the years. They would try and force the puck to him. You know what Daniel Sprong's doing? hey, Sid, you get me the puck, I'm putting it on goal here. And he's not looking as if he, he, he's having a need to defer to Sidney Crosby. And I think Sid appreciates that sometimes because he wants a smart hockey player that can go out and make a smart hockey play. And that isn't always giving Sid the puck. We all know guys like Sid and Evgeny Malkin, they want the puck on their stick, but they are also good enough in, and comfortable enough with their own game to know that if their winger sees an opportunity and they go out and score a goal, they're just fine with that. And I think Strong's looked that part very, very well uh, so far in this short sample size. And I really hope that Mike Sullivan doesn't tinker with that top line too much. And it looks like over this last, you know, we'll call it two, three games, he's started to settle into a little bit of a groove with some of these lines, specifically the last two, and hasn't tinkered with it too much. So I'm hoping that maybe that lineup stays intact coming out of this bye week.
0: Brian Metzer joining us here, Penguins Radio Network. It's been too long. We miss Brian. We love the analysis. Brian, uh, jumping now to the second half of the season, or, well, whatever you want to call the post-buy Pittsburgh Penguins, do you think that they can take a little of what they did these last couple of games and sort of bottle it moving forward? The Penguins seem like they had the urgency, and I was really impressed by the way that they came back in Boston. Uh, they could have easily just said, okay, we gave up the lead, see you.
2: Well, one game that I felt like they did that in pretty ugly fashion is I'm gonna go back a couple of weeks, December twenty third against the Anaheim Ducks. They went down four to nothing in that game or they lost four to nothing in that game and they were down two goals and just I felt like they packed up the tents and they went home. Well, that team against the Boston Bruins could have really unraveled as they let their lead dissipate. I mean, they had dominated the Bruins at times during the first period. We were all feeling really good about it. I went in and did an intermission recap and said, Boy, this looks a lot more like Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. They had speed, they had so much going for them, Adam. And the next thing you know, it started to fall away from them. And, and they just came back and punched the Bruins in the mouth. They wouldn't allow them to do it. You got Evgeny Malkin scoring a goal with. Just about no time left in the second. Riley Sheaen scores a big goal. And you know what that looked like? One of those old Penguins teams that started to get strong in the third period. They got contributions from up and down the lineup, and they found a way to win a hockey game that they almost let slip away. This version of the Pens this season hadn't done that a whole lot. So I was really impressed with that victory. They've now reeled off two straight. They've scored 15 goals uh, in their last uh, four games, and they had only scored 20 in the 10 games prior to that. Wow, that's a good number. So when you look at that, that just tells you the Penguins are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable offensively. And I know uh, there's a lot of talk that maybe the depth or the balance now in the lineup's a little bit more manufactured because you've split up the big three. You have Sid Gino and Phil Kessel all on their own lines, and I'm not sure that's going to hold up. I still think that Phil Kessel should be playing with Evgeny Malkin. But for right now, it looks like it, it is working. The power play is on fire, so there's no reason to think that coming out of this break They can't find a way to start putting some points together in the Eastern Conference, specifically in the Metropolitan Division, because they have a lot of those kinds of games coming up. They got themselves into a wild card spot just ahead of this break. They'll fall out of it before they start playing hockey again. But I think they're pretty well positioned now to at least get themselves into a playoff spot, and that's all they need to really worry about doing is making the playoffs, because we all know what happens. Get there, and anything can
0: happen. No kidding. And the way that Crosby and Malkin played the other night, I think everyone in the Eastern Conference is saying, please, God, Penguins, don't make the playoffs because (laughs) they get in and uh, they become very scary, no question about it. Brian Metzer joining us here on the Crowley Show, at Brian underscore Metzer on the Twitter.com. Metz, the Penguins' fourth line with Riley Shea and centering it, looks like a competent fourth line. And there have been so many times this season that they've kind of hit the doldrums. I would love for that to be the case moving forward. Now, I don't know if Jake Gensel is the answer at third-line center, but I would love to see Shea be the fourth-line guy.
2: I would agree with that. Um I think when he was acquired, what did, what did everybody say? You saw all the, all the hockey brainiacs in this city saying, well, Maybe he's not the best third-line option, but he'll be a perfect fourth-liner when Jim Rutherford goes out and gets his official third-line center, and that's exactly how this has looked so far. He gets in that situation, Adam, with, with uh, Kunako and Ryan Reeves. Both of those players look awfully viable now, too, don't they? Because that's the thing that people started to to question. You know, Kunakl was a a guy getting his minutes limited. Reeves was a guy getting his minutes limited, specifically when this team was trailing, which happened an awful lot over the first half of the season. Well, when you're in hockey games and you're able to roll four lines, which he's been able to do since he's had Gensel and Shea in down the middle behind Sid and Gino, you you have the Penguins looking more like themselves. Because that was another thing that came with being a flawed roster. Mike Sullivan just sort of benched certain guys late in games and he didn't roll four lines. And this team is always at its best, at least under Mike Sullivan, when he can roll four lines, have everybody getting upwards of 10 or more minutes. I mean, the stars would obviously play more, but your fourth line was going out and chipping in 10, 12, 13 minutes a night. And when you have Riley Shea and doing what they just did with, with Reese and Kunachel, which is playing sound defensive hockey, grinding in the offensive zone, getting a strong four check, they had a 33 minute or 33 second shift. Uh, in the offensive zone where they just had, um, uh, just uh, I forget what line it was, but it had the Bruins pinned back for that period of time. They even got a line change. The Geno Haglin-Hornquist line was able to hop on because of the work of that fourth line. So I've been very impressed with them in a, uh, again, a very small sample size. But I think right now you're starting to see some semblance of lines that Mike Sullivan's growing a little bit more comfortable with, and he'll keep them intact here potentially. And I think that's going to give them a chance to win some hockey games because it's a little bit more comfortable for him as well as the players.
0: Brian, you're really good at what you do, man. We love having you on. we got to make this happen more. We're not going to pay you anything. So it's up to you whether you want to keep coming on, but we'd love to have you every week, man.
2: You know what? You say the word, my friend. I will join you anytime. I love talking puck with you. I maybe someday I'll have to come by and do it in person. And, and we still got to get together for a beer, man. This this has been talk now for three seasons. I feel like you're a young lady dodging me, and I'm trying to court you or something.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. Uh, that that <laughs> explains why you sent me that weird uh, selfie last night via text. <laughs> really going after it. Here's what we need you to do, Metro. We need you to. You got nineteen thousand Twitter followers. I'm sitting here at six because I'm a total loser. What we we need you to do is you need to get me more Twitter followers so that the show can become bigger, so that we can eventually pay you, and then there you go.
2: You know what? uh, That sounds like a deal because, you know, I'm I'm losing gigs like crazy this year. Thank God for the Penguins Radio Network. People are just casting Mets aside. You're nice enough to have me on the show. So if we can make that a paying gig and I can have some hand in making that happen, we will have to make that happen.
0: I'm guessing it's not going to happen. Thanks, buddy. (laughs)
2: Take care, my friend. I know where you work because I work there, too.
0: (laughs) Damn it, you're right. See you. Take care. Brian Metzer. What a guy. Penguins Radio Network. And Beaver County Times shutting down, man. I don't know if they're shutting down officially. I probably shouldn't say that. But they lost Madden. They lost Metzer. I don't know if Mueller from the station across the street still has a column anymore. Uh, They lost Chris Bradford. They lost the other Chris Mueller. All these guys are quality at what they do with the written word, and now they're fading to darkness, and the Trib is picking up the castoffs, and the Trib used to be in big trouble, and I feel like they're doing okay now. They got Benzie writing columns. They got Madden writing columns now. This media world, ever-shifting on that topic, you got to hear what Steve Kerr had to say about the ever-changing media world. That's next. I've got a hot take on it, baby. It's the Crowley Show. All the coaches in the National Basketball Association have their panties in a bunch. We'll hear from one of them in a second. Mike Pursuta joining us at 6 o'clock, talking Stillers-Jags. Pursuta is cautiously optimistic i think about the Steelers' chances in this game but he's wary of the jags given what they did before and the first time these two teams played he was one of the few people to pick jacksonville so we got him coming up in 18 minutes on the show now to steve kurt who is a smart guy now he's got the easiest job maybe in all of sports to win with that franchise but he's a smart guy. He's a thinker. He often has smart things to say after basketball games. And here's what he had to say about LeVar Ball, and he pivoted to take on the media.
3: Many of whom were really talented journalists covering the NBA. Um, and um, so we, you know, and this is not an ESPN judgment it's a societal thing more than anything but um you know where we're going is we're going away from covering the game and we're getting closer to just sensationalized news and um, it's not even news really it's just uh, complete nonsense Um, but if you package that uh irrational nonsense with some uh, glitter and some ribbon people are going to watch um so i've talked to, to uh people in the media this year, I said, why do you, why do you guys have to cover that guy? They say, well, we don't want to. Nobody wants to. Let our, our bosses tell us we have to, um, because of the ratings, because of the readership. So somewhere that, um, I guess it's in Lithuania, with our balls laughing at <laughs> all, people are eating out of his hands for no apparent reason, other than, you know, he's become like the, Kardashian of the NBA or something, and, and that sells. And that's what is true in politics and entertainment and now in sports. Um, it doesn't matter if there's any substance involved with an issue. Um, it's just can we make it really interesting um, in a, for, for no apparent reason. There's nothing interesting about that story. You know how many parents of my players have probably been at home one why is he playing my kid, you know? And yet we're sticking a microphone in front of his face because it's, uh, apparently it gets ratings. I don't know who cares, but people care. They must care. Or ESPN wouldn't be spending, you know, whatever they're spending to send reporters to Lithuania when they're laying off people who are writing really substantial, you know, people like Ethan Strauss and Mark Stein are getting laid off. So, again, this is not this is not a condemnation of ESPN. It's not. It's, um,
0: It's not, because it's you. It's the people. What you want more now than you have before is fun and opinion. Now, analysis is important. You're not going to be able to do a sports show without giving thoughts and opinions on sports. But it's sports. It doesn't need to be uber serious, and I feel bad that Stein lost his job, but... ESPN fired a bunch of journalists or it laid off. Sorry. A bunch of journalists because you people didn't want the journalism. They had a journalism site. No one read it. So they got rid of the journalism site. Steve Kerr talked about irrational nonsense. I like to think the Crowley Show does rational nonsense. We like to have fun. We like to screw around, but we like to give substance as well. But I do not like it when journalists and so many of them retweeted that clip today and yesterday. I do not like it when journalists get up on their bully puppet and say, yo, this guy has our back. I don't like it when they say, hey, we need more quality journalism out there. We do need more quality journalism in the real world. We do need more quality journalists to unearth information in politics. We need quality journalists who go overseas and report on important things that have to do with the United States. We need real journalists in the real world. We're talking about sports. And sometimes sports journalists can take themselves very seriously. I have a lot of friends who are sports writers. They do a good job. They have an important job. But if a Stein can't inform you of what's going on in a particular NBA game, if he can't unearth information on why Steph Curry gets his shot off quicker than the next guy, somebody else will or they won't, but we're going to watch the games nonetheless. It's sports. If we don't get information from these sports journalists, we're going to go on. God bless the good ones. God bless the Jason Mackeys and Josh Yoeys of the world. God bless the Dale Lollies. These people do a really good job. Mark Caboli does a very good job. There are a lot of journalists who do a great job when it comes to sports, but I don't need to see on my timeline a thousand times that the good people doing it the right way are getting canned. It's chicken, egg, egg, chicken, fine, but I happen to think that ESPN is savvy enough business-wise to know that if you fire 100 people, you better be firing the right ones. And they know who gets the clicks and who doesn't get the clicks. And at the end of the day, this is a clicks business. We're not the New York Times. We're not the Washington Post. Okay? That's not who we are. It's not what we do. It's sports. And sometimes we need to take ourselves a little less seriously. And I think Steve Kerr hit the nail right on the head there. It's not ESPN to blame. It's the consumer. It's the people. The people want fun. The people want entertainment. You can sprinkle information in there, but the reality is our ratings are up 300%. This show is doing better than the show's ever done. That's a fact. I don't lie. Transparency, number one virtue of the show. I will tell you what's going on here behind the scenes. If we take a dip, I'll tell you then too. But people like our show more than they've listened to other shows in the past because we're fun and we also give you the information. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sports journalists are great. But if the world loses 100 sports journalists, then the only thing not being reported on is sports. We're not talking about overseas nuclear holocausts that are building up. (laughs) We're talking about three-point shots from Stephen Curry. He doesn't always need to be that way, man. It's okay to evolve. It's okay to understand that not everyone wants the vegetables at every sitting. It's okay to sometimes eat a donut. I saw David Pollock eat a donut on TV the other day. That guy hasn't had sugar in 10 years. You can have one. If that guy can eat a donut, you can eat one too. Stan does a really good show. Stan considers himself a journalist. Stan brings information all the time. I don't consider myself a journalist. It's not my expertise. It's not my passion. My passion is entertainment. Doesn't mean you can't learn. But sports themselves are entertainment. Sports themselves are supposed to be fun. Last night's game was badass, dude. I don't need to read a story about how Kirby Smart choked the game away. That's not what it's about to me. It's about fun. When a team loses, it can be about the team that won winning. Oklahoma lost and they choked. Georgia lost and they choked. Yo, Georgia, what do you think about that now? Now that you're on the quote unquote choker side, everything gets blown out of proportion. It is because you got to get down to the nitty gritty. And you got to report on exactly what happened. Well, they ran the ball between the tackles a bunch. Okay, they did. You see that guy on the other side, though? The Tua kid? Slanging it lefty? Six foot one, true freshman? Why don't we give them credit? It's sports. It's not national security. It's not hardcore news journalism. It's sports journalism. And sorry, all you sports journalists out there who are listening, who probably aren't listening anymore because you're a little ticked off, it doesn't carry the same clout. But you read these timelines of all these journalists out there, and they've all got each other's back, right? There's the quote, tweet, train. Oh, my God, they fired another great journalist. You know, it sucks for them, sucks for the family. But the reality is these people don't have a job because the fan wants something else. And if a sports journalist loses their job, it's sports journalism. All these journalists that quote tweet one another make it seem like every journalist is doing the super uber serious job of legitimate journalists. And I'm not trying to delegitimize any friends out there or anything like that. But to me, there's a difference between a sports writer and a, and a political journalist. Soapbox in it. Devin, next up on The Crowley Show. Hello. Hey, brother. Hello, father. (laughs) I think that uh, your uh, ratings are up 300% because you're passionate about what you do. Yeah. There's a passion in it. Yeah. You can hear it when you're speaking on the radio, whether you're being silly or you're being serious. And I think
3: sometimes the media gets it misconstrued on what people want. Maybe I'm just old school, but a lot of us don't like pandering to the lowest common denominator. We're smarter than that. I don't feel like people I don't feel like people in positions that that disseminate feel like people are are that smart but but some of us are I think a lot of us are
0: no you're right about that and I don't ever want this show to be the show that's trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator. I think what we do is weird, but I think it's weird because we like to make fun of the construct that is sports talk uh, we don't like to take it that uber seriously. I'll have serious takes maybe every day, but I'm not gonna die if somebody disagrees with me, and I, I think that you're right, where you listen to Madden, and my God, I mean, that guy gets ratings. Good for oh, him. Crap. Crap. Whoa! Sorry. He's What he does is he tries to appeal to the lowest common denominator. Right. Devin, did you and see I'm, Star Wars, or did you see Jumanji? I saw Star Wars. Damn right, dude. I was my hoping daughter, you would my, see my Star Wars. My daughter wanted to go see it. I couldn't believe it. So yeah, i, I at My son didn't. I was like, no, I to see Star Wars. May the force be with you, my friend. All right, brother. Goodbye, father. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Did I miss anything there in that rant? Did I did I leave any meat on the bone? Because I was looking at you, and I don't know. I think you
1: took a lot of meat off the bone, but this is kind of like the meat grows back on this bone. It's not going away. You can dig into it as much as you want, but it comes down to right what you pointed out, man. It's an appetite for this kind of stuff. The consumer is a lot to blame. We're becoming a headline society. Our attention span isn't as long as it needs to be to read into stuff. You know, whether that's on a sports end or on a political end, whatever it is, we're being trained as a society through social media, through new journalism. And I call it New journalism because it's changing. We get trained to react to the headline and to the next headline, have a quick opinion of it and roll it on on our feed. You know, And then that rolls down to the next person. It, it's it's a shiny object society. And I think we don't have time, or most people don't have time to dig into things as far as they, they need to. So Le- LeVar Ball, stuff like that, it's, it's a neat little shot in the arm. Of like, ah, oh, that guy sucks. I feel better about it.
0: Yeah, I don't care for LeVar Ball. The shiny object thing, to me, in sports, doesn't bother me. If you have shiny object syndrome about politics... That's what upsets me. When you read a headline and you run with it, so-and-so in the president's cabinet is a liar, and you don't read it. You just see that in the next conversation you're having at the in-laws. You see so-and-so is a liar. Those kind of things, I think you owe it to yourself to read into. Sports, you could be as informed or ill-informed as you want to be, as far as I'm concerned. It's sports. If you don't have a great understanding of the sport you're watching, it doesn't mean that you're any less of a fan as far as I'm concerned. My mom is the biggest Steelers fan I know. She wouldn't look at a coverage and be like, that's a cover three. So what? Does that make her a less fan? No. I mean, 90% of the people probably don't look at it and go, cover three, cover three, that's cover two. He didn't jam him off the ball. Like, to me, you can when it's sports consume as much as you want, consume as little as you want. If you if you want to have an opinion on something more important than sports, as far as I'm concerned, then maybe you should read up on it. That's where I fall. Coming up next, this guy is informed, and he is a good sports writer and a sports journalist. He's Mike Pursuta of the DVE Morning Show. He's one of our favorite people. It's the Crowley Show.